Well, good morning, New Heart family from near and far. We want to welcome you here on this beautiful Mother's Day Sunday. And all of you moms out there, I know uh, Rebecca just prayed over you and thanked God for you, but I just want to say we are so thankful for you, all of our moms. Uh, and so wherever you're at, I know many of our family gatherings can happen as a result of all of our physical distancing requirements. But moms, we just want to say we honor you, we love you, we want to bless you. And hi, mom, I see you too. Uh, we love you today, and I'm so glad that you're here. And the title of my message today is The Dream Team. And for any of you who are uh, regulars around the New Heart Church campus, you know that we call all of our volunteer team the dream team. And so uh, you might be thinking this is just a plug to get people connected with our dream team. But today we're going to go to Acts chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles at home, uh, find them wherever they are. Pull out your Bible app on version. We've got some notes there as well. And you can follow along with this morning's message. But Acts chapter 6 is where we're going to be at today. Then. I want to begin with a story because I love stories. So we're going to start there. And, you know, in the animated movie, WALL-E, for those of you who haven't seen it, it is a futuristic movie about uh, what the, the world may be like in the future. It's kind of a weird kids movie, to be honest, uh, because in the, the movie, the, the whole idea is that humans have so trashed the earth that they get on spaceships and they fly to outer space and there's robots that are there to clean up after them. Uh, it's kind of a strange movie, but, but I love some of the characters on it. One of my favorite characters in the movie is this cute little robot named Mo. I think I've got a, a picture of him, and I love what he says. And what the... Yeah, uh, well, maybe we'll get the picture up there and show you what it looks like. But this is Mo. Mo is a cute little robot, and he has a very specific job. Mo's job is to scan the area that he's at, and to find any foreign contaminants, any dirt, particles. So you moms in the house that are watching on this beautiful Mother's Day, you can appreciate a robot like Mo. His job is to follow after the children and find any dirt or any crumbs that's left behind and to clean it up as quickly as he can. I love this little guy. And what I love about him is that he's passionate. Like, like he wakes up and he's like, whoa, there's dirt there. And he's super passionate about cleaning up. I always joke with my kids, we really need a Mo in our house. Uh, just to follow after them whenever they track dirt or mud or all the other stuff into the house, just to follow behind him. But what I love about Mo is that Mo has a sense of purpose. He was designed with a purpose. His job is to clean things up. He's like a cleaning robot. That's what he was designed and made to do. And he's passionate about doing it. And so what I love about him is he knows what he's made to do. I think of it like this. Many of you saw the Olympic Games over the last many years. We're, we're saddened that we're not going to get to see our summer games this year. But over the last long stretch of season, if you've watched any swimming events in the Summer Olympics, you've seen this man, the myth, the legend, known as Michael Phelps. And if you've ever seen Michael Phelps out of the water, he looks kind of awkward. He's tall, he's lanky, he's got long arms, ginormous hands. But when you see that young man jump into the water, you see like he was made for that. And you see he's the, the most winningest athlete in Olympic history with more gold medals and silver medals and mostly gold though. But he just wins and wins and wins. And part of that is of course because he trains like crazy. But God has gifted him. He's got a unique body physiology that allows him to swim in an amazing fashion. And I think about like when you see Michael Phelps in the water, you're like, that's what that guy was made to do. 
And this morning, I want to talk about the things that God made you to do. Because what I believe with every fiber of my being is God has designed each one of us with a purpose, with a design, and he's created us to do something with our lives. And he's waiting for each of us to discover our God-ordained purpose and to come alive to that purpose and to discover it and to walk in the fullness of that. And here's the big idea today. If you want to take notes this morning from wherever you are, from your house, uh, you can fill this out or write it down, that we are better together. And each member of God's church, I believe, has a vital role to play. And as a people of God, we thrive together when each member does their part. In other words, we do better when all of us work together to accomplish the tasks that are set before us. And this morning, we're going to study a a section of scripture, uh, a section that I might call growing pains, if I were to put a a summary on this section, because God's church was growing and growing and growing. And if you've ever had a small child that's growing, or maybe uh, you grew up yourself, many of you did, some of you haven't yet, but you will. Uh, but, but as we grow, we experience growing pains, right? Seasons of time where things are changing and they're, they're difficult and they're challenging. And each new season of life brings its own set of unique challenges and obstacles that we have to overcome. And this is a season in the life of the church where God's church was multiplying. It was growing. It was, it was exploding with growth. And there were some growing pains. And so we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 6. We're going to read just the first few verses of Acts 6. And it starts and says this. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. There was some food, uh, some food and other stuff that was going on. Verse 2. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples. They called a family meeting in the house of God. They called the full number of the disciples and they said, guys, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit. We want these to be people that that love God, that walk with him, filled with the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Verse four continues and says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Paramenus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them, in prayer. That's why we, uh, when we pray over people, we lay hands on them. That's a model that we see in the scripture. They laid their hands on them. And verse 7 concludes and says, and the word of God continued to increase. It continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And here is, here is the, the deal that the God's church was growing and there were some struggles, there were some growing pains that were taking place. But they gathered together and they discovered this idea that within the family of God, we need many different people, each playing a part. That within the family of God, we need many different people, each playing a part. 
you know, and this is exactly what, what they discovered, that we need the people of God to do what they've been made to do. And as God's church grew and grew, more people were needed to make sure that things ran smoothly. And we see this over and over again, that as God's church grows, it takes more and more people to do the mighty works that need to be accomplished. In fact, uh, we just see it over and over again. But what I love about the scripture is the scripture doesn't whitewash it. Some people are like, yeah, how can we know this is true? How do we know that the stories written in the Bible are the truth? And I say, well, first of all, I know that it's true because God has revealed it to us. But, but man, when I look at the people that are listed in the Bible, the heroes of faith, I see, man, it doesn't just show their highlights. This isn't just their highlight reel. It shows their highs and their lows. And the people of God here, what are they doing? The scripture even uses the word complaint. They're complaining. All you moms out there and dads out there, you know that, that sometimes when kids get together, there's complaining, right? There's complaining and grumbling that takes place. And in God's family, there was some complaining. And, and not that the people of God are known especially to be a complaining bunch of people. Of course you're not. We trust in the Lord. But there was some complaining. There was grumbling that went on. And, and all the miracle working power and the amazing things that happened, there was still issues that need to be dealt with. But what I love is the apostles recognize that, that the followers of God weren't just complaining because they wanted to be angry. They were complaining because there was real issues that needed to be addressed within the household of God. And there was needing to be people to stand up and to step out in those areas because within the family of God, we need many different people, each playing a different part. And what I love here is they recognize that and they were understood that for them to be servant leaders, they needed to increase the capacity of God's people to be fruitful. And, and here's the deal. Real leaders try everything they can to remove friction so that people can thrive. And that's what these apostles, they began to do. And Jesus taught the disciples often about this idea of servant leadership. See, there's many different ideas about what it means to be a leader, what it means to be within power. We're seeing some very good examples of, of what people given power do in our current uh, season of time. We're also seeing bad examples. But what Jesus said to his disciples over and over again is, the way that I want you to lead within the household of God as a follower of the way is gonna look different than the way that other people lead. And here's what Jesus said. In fact, he said this in Mark chapter 10, verse 42. He said, Jesus called the disciples together and he said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, people that just are leaders in the world, they lord, over, they lord their power and their leadership over those that they lead. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But Jesus continues and says in verse 43, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must become slave of all. And then he sums it all up with verse 45. And he says this, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to lay his life down, to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus was telling the disciples that this is a foundational identity as a follower of the way. That this idea of servanthood, of servant leadership, and even servant followership was something that was, was foundational. It was bedrock 
into this thing called Christianity, into this thing called following Jesus, that being a servant was not just an optional job, but in fact, Jesus demonstrated and said, even I came to serve. In fact, we see Jesus demonstrate that over and over again as he served the disciples. In fact, one case at the very end, at the Last Supper, we see that Jesus kneels down and washes the disciples' feet in an act of love and in an act of service. But Jesus said that we have to have this heart posture of service, that we would not be the people to say, that job is beneath me. And that's not the way our world works, is it? That we see people, when they, they finally climb that corporate ladder, they get to that place of authority and position, they say, well, that job down there, that's beneath me. And they would never say it. We would never say it in our vanity. Like, I'm a manager now. I can't do that job anymore. I can't scrub toilets. I can't, I don't pick up trash anymore because I've arrived, right? We would never say that. But sometimes it gets within our heart. And Jesus was addressing the heart posture of his followers saying, I want you to be servants. There's no job beneath you. In fact, one of the greatest lessons I ever got in this one is, very early on in my walk with Jesus. And I'm thankful for it because I gave my life to the Lord. Many of you have heard some of my story, but when I, I was in high school, I met the Lord Jesus and I just followed after him uh, wholeheartedly and just said, that's it, that's it for me. I'm following Jesus. Very shortly thereafter, I felt, uh, I went on a missions trip and felt called to the ministry. I felt like God was calling me to give my entire life to the Lord, to serving him in ministry and in vocation. And so I told my pastor at the time, I told my youth pastor, I said, hey, I feel called to the ministry. He said, great, I've got a job for you. And I said, cool, what is it? Uh, what does it pay? And he said, your job is, uh, and you might be offended by this word, but he said, your job and your title, you're the pisser pastor. That's what he said to me. And I said, what? And he said, your job is to go into the men's room before and after every service and scrub the urinals, make sure it's clean, and there's some bulletins that were posted in the bullet uh, above the urinals. You know, as the men are doing their business, they could read and hear about what was happening at the church. He said, I want you to do, uh, just make it amazing. Make it to where it's relaxing and it's clean in there and all this and that. And I'm like, uh, but I said, I'm called to ministry. And he said, but yeah, this is your first assignment. I said, okay, well, I'm in. And so I gave that job my 100%, man. And those were the cleanest toilets those men had ever peed in, right? It was like holy anointed urinals. Um, but, but I learned something in that moment that the pathway to leadership is through the servant's entrance. That if I want to become a leader in the household of God, I've got to learn to serve. I've got to learn to do that. And that doesn't just apply within the church. As a follower of Jesus, I discovered that if I want to lead well, I need to serve well. And so this was an important learning opportunity for me in that season of time. Um, and it was one of those things that I discovered was important. And it set me up for ministry, not because it was glamorous, but because it required me to humble myself as Jesus did and serve, serve other people. And while we all must serve, there's another side of that coin too. And obviously the scripture today, we see the disciples talking about the other side of that coin. See, we have to understand that this foundational identity as servants of people and servants of God has to be core. It has to be foundational. It has to be primary. But second to that, if we were to look at the other side of that same coin, 
is this idea that there's also something specific that God has gifted you and me to do. That Jesus wants us to know how he's gifted us and what he's created us to do. See, we are, as the Bible describes, the body of Christ. And that's a, first of all, that's just a, we just need to recognize, it's kind of a weird saying. That Jesus is the head and we're like his body. And Jesus says, uses this, this parable, this, this metaphor to explain that, man, we got hands and we got feet and we got all these body parts. And, and in fact, there's a scripture that, that some of you are familiar with, 1 Corinthians 12. Um, I'm going to read a couple verses out of it. But 1 Corinthians 12, the, verse 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body... So it is with Christ. And then verse 18, he picks it up. I think we've got that verse on the screen. But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. In other words, God placed the members of the body where he wanted. He put the hand where the hand's supposed to go. The foot where the foot's supposed to go, right? He placed them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And Paul there in the... In, 1 Corinthians gives us this picture that, that God placed you where he's placed you and he's gifted you with a certain set of gifts so that you can be of usefulness to the body of Christ, that you can do something of meaning and purpose in the body of Christ. And we have all been created wonderfully weird. I shared that last week and I had several of you comment, yeah, pastor, you're weird. And I said, fine, no, uh you're weird. Right? So right to you this morning, I say, no, you're weird. We're all weird. And that's the beautiful part about it. I'm just joking, of course. But the reality is that we're all different. God's given every one of us personalities and giftings. And that's what I love when, when our churches gather together to see all of the fun personalities, all of the differences that God has put within us. It doesn't matter where you come from. You can come from the same family and have different personalities. You're going to have two siblings that are completely different. Even in identical twins where, where their fingerprints will even be identical, there's differences of personality that exist. And this is the beauty of God's creative efforts on our lives, that we are different and we are unique. There are no insignificant parts to the body of Christ. There is none that are more or less useful. All of them are required for health, for vitality in the body of Christ. And the reality is this, God's made you with a purpose. If you like, I say this all the time, but I per perhaps you need to hear that today. God made you for a purpose. He wants you to discover that purpose because he's placed you where he's placed you on purpose. And he wants you to live on purpose. He wants you to live on purpose and not just go through the days, just casually, just just plowing through life as if nothing mattered. God says, I've made you with a purpose. I want you to discover it and to make a difference with the life that I've given you to live. The second big point this morning is this, is that as God's people, we're called to devote ourselves to our God-given purpose and calling. That God's people should devote themselves to their God-given purpose and calling. Verse four, you see the apostles, they got this. They knew that Jesus had assigned them a task and they said, we'll devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They got it. They understood it. But these leaders, these ministry leaders, these elders or apostles that we see listed here, they were called by God to devote themselves to prayer, to seeking God, and to the ministry of the word, to proclaiming the good news of Jesus 
to people everywhere. They were these apostles that were thinking about how to bring the word of God to the ends of the earth. And they had a mission from God. And I'll just say this. As a pastor, I know that devotion to God's word, devotion to prayer and to seeking him, that's my primary calling. And that's important. Uh, that's important for me to know. That's less important for you. But that's important for me to know that that is the thing that I know God has called me to do as a pastor, as a minister of the gospel, to seeking God, to praying for his church, to praying for you, praying for you this week. And uh, the Lord put on verse on my heart. I shared it on our Facebook page that, man, my heart longs to be reunited with the family of God. But that is the primary calling of your pastor is to pray and seek the Lord. And that's an important thing to do. But for others, they're called to do other ministry assignments. And what is underscored and, and shown in this passage is what the apostles were saying is not that this job or this job was more important. Not as serving tables was of one value and ministry of the word was of another value. And certainly not saying ministry of the word is up here and, and tables are down here. They're just saying those are different jobs. And God has called some to lead in that capacity. He's called others to lead in this capacity. He's called others still to lead in yet another capacity. And there's something significant that comes from us fulfilling those things. And the Bible says that these others were called to serve. And, you know, we would find out later through the epistles that this role would officially be formalized and called deacons as these uh, people lead and serving in God's church as ministry leaders within his church. But I'll just say this, God's church needs every single gift working together so we can thrive together. And the reality of what the, the apostles were underscoring was that there was an assignment given to them by Almighty God that for them to accomplish, other people needed to step up and step out into those areas of leadership so that they could allow them to do their job and they could focus on their ministry calling. Ephesians 4 verse 15 says this. The apostle Paul reminds us, he says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Turn to the person next to you sitting on the couch and say, grow up. You can say it back there, tech team. I hear you. Grow up. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Grow up into every way, into him who is the head, into Christ, uh, from whom the whole body joined and held together by, what, by every joint with which it is equipped. Catch this. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up with love. That verse in your Bible, you can underline those words. When each part is working properly. See, there's something significant about this idea that as God's people, each one of us, each part has to work for us all to work together. Every person, every member of the body is needed. There's a lot of conversation going on in our world. Uh, you just flip on the news, just check out your Facebook feed about getting back to work, right? And I know many of y'all are hungry and eager and anticipating getting back to work. By the way, work is not a bad thing. Work is a good thing. In fact, in the Garden of Eden, before sin ever entered in the human equation, God gave Adam meaningful and significant work. His job was to, to oversee, to steward the garden that God had given him. He had a job to do. 
And so there's something important about the idea of doing meaningful and significant work with our life that's part of our DNA, how God has designed us. But many of us, there's a lot of conversation about getting back to work, right? And wherever you are on that spectrum of decision, public opinion, wherever you, you, you line up, the reality is this. Every time we think about those words, I want you to think about this verse. Because this scripture says that when each part is working properly, we grow. So when we're thinking about getting back to work and some of us are longing to get back to work so we can, we can make some money or we can you know, make a difference or we can go back to normalcy, I wanna encourage you to start praying over this. Lord, how would you have me go back to work in your kingdom? God, how would you have me use my gifts in your body to make a difference? Because we need each part working properly. That is when we grow. And our church grows when each part is working together. Now, in the weightlifting world, which you can obviously tell I'm a part of, right? Uh, you can tell I, I, I don't skip leg day, but that, that phrase, don't skip leg day, that means you see a guy who's really big up top and then his legs are puny. And they say, that guy must have skipped leg day, right? He, yeah, you show my legs. That guy skipped leg day. He, he did not pay attention to his legs. So he's got some muscles that are huge and others that are undeveloped. And within God's family, we must not skip leg day either. We need every single member of the body working together, working towards that growth so we can grow. And here's why. Each one of us needs to step up and step out into the purpose and assignment of God for our lives. We all understand that metaphor of stepping up. We have great visual connotation that comes along with that expression. Imagine a man stepping up to the batter's box in a baseball game, which we all want to see again. Please, baseball, come back soon. We want to see you. But imagine a man stepping up to the plate, and if he doesn't step up to the plate, he could never hit the ball. And if he doesn't hit the ball, he can never hit a home run. And so the first thing we've got to do is step up to the assignment of God and say, God, here I am. Use me. Here am I, God. Send me. We've got to step up to the assignment of God, and then we need to step out in faith and say, God, I don't know how to do this job. God, I'm not so sure how I'm going to accomplish this, but I've got to step up and step out. And when God's people do that, God opens up opportunities for growth, not just in my life, but in the church. In fact, I want to give a huge shout out to our dream team members. I don't have any cameras on y'all in the back back there, but our tech team who for week in and week out in the middle of the week on the Sunday, I've got Jim and Alex in the back running all of our technical stuff behind the scenes today. And I just applaud you gentlemen back there and say thank you for what you do. Because they have stepped up, and Jim has literally stepped up on a step stool right now watching the camera, and they've stepped out and said, I'm willing to do that. And as a result, we're able to bring this content to you. And so it is when we do those things that we grow and we grow together. So how do we discover our God-given purpose? I'm glad you asked. First of all, we need to seek God. Sometimes we need to just say, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? God, today, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to do with my life? And secondly, man, we've got an amazing resource. Uh, as Pastor Rebecca shared in the opening today, we have a thing called our Next Steps Growth Track, Step 3, which we're doing next weekend, and you can sign up today on our website. But next weekend, we're doing step number three, which is all about discovering your purpose. And with it, we want to give you some spiritual gifts assessments. So we take a couple of self-evaluations and tests 
Now, and you're like, tests? Well, those are just to help you to discover some of the, the intrinsic things that the Lord has put in you, how your experiences and your talents and your natural inclinations will direct you towards the purpose of God for your life. And so we want to help you to discover those things. And here's why. Ephesians 2, verse 10, I think we've got that verse for the screen. It says, we are his workmanship. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God has created you with good works in mind. He's got a purpose for your days. He's got things that he's already set up for you, divine appointments he's made in your address book. And he says, you should walk in them. I'm not going to make you, but you should walk in those things. And so we have this idea and this belief that God has made us for good works. He's created us to make a difference with our lives. And the sooner we can discover that purpose and begin to step up in that area of our lives and step out by faith, the sooner that he can begin to grow us and to bless others through our life. So thirdly and finally, I'm almost concluded here, is that we are better together. Uh, by the way, we are better together. I can't wait to see you face to face. And because alone we add value, but together we multiply. Alone we might add value, addition, simple addition. One plus one is two. But together we multiply the value of what God is able to do. See, we add value wherever we go, and that's an important thing to note. But when God's church, when each member steps up to the plate and steps out by faith and says, God, I'm willing to do whatever it is, God multiplies his church. See, and here's why. I want to just give you the simple math. You're like, but one plus one is two, pastor. I'm good at math. Now, I even went to public school and I can do that one. Well, here's the deal. When, when I step up to my God-given purpose and assignment, then someone else who is carrying that assignment, that, that might not be their God-given purpose. They're just filling in where there's a need. They're able to take that burden off and step, in, step up and step out in their God-given purpose. So now I've got me fulfilling and doing the thing that I'm really great and really passionate, like that little robot Mo. Maybe you're passionate about cleaning up. God bless you. We love you. We need you. But, but whatever your passion is, when we step up and step out in that area, for these deacons, it was serving tables and administrating the distribution that was taking place. As these people stepped up and stepped out, others were able to step up and step out in their calling and their purpose. And that is the beauty of what takes place when we all take a part in what God is doing. By the way, I, I shared this before, but you know, I know many of you are, are just longing to serve the Lord in a new capacity in this season. Uh, I've heard from many of you, and before all of this physical distancing stuff was going on, before COVID-19 became a, a topic of conversation, our dream team, man, we were filled with many of you serving in different areas of ministry. And many of you stepped up and stepped out and you're longing for the day to do that. We can't wait for you to get back in the house of the Lord again. But when we do get back together again, we'll need you to step up and step out just as you have in the past. See, the apostles recognized that there's things that they could do, but there's, it was better if someone else would do that job. And we see this in the church all the time. 
uh, ministry leaders from across the nation. I'm not just talking about this is a, a new heart thing, but ministry leaders across the nation, we see this, that there's a handful of people carrying a lot of weight, and then there's a lot of people carrying no weight. But here's the reality. Here's what we discover as we read the scripture and we see the early church, that as many people bear the load, as we see everyone carrying some load, man, do we go fast. Man, do we go far. But it takes everyone saying, I'm willing to step up and step out where God has called and assigned me. And the apostles, they understood that the only way for us to multiply is for each one of us to carry the load in the house of God. See, we are better together. Uh, and that's, that's really could have been the title of my message today. But I, for one, cannot wait until we meet again face to face, church until we get to uh, gather the family of God together to, to do all of the things that we normally do with our kids running around in the lawn, to all the fun activities that we get to do face to face. And we are working within the guidelines of our state, state and local government. As many of you know, our, our stay at home, safer at home order has been continued here in Ventura County. And there's, there's even some within the church world that are saying maybe we should, maybe we should defy those orders and gather together. And, and by the way, we're continuing to pray, Lord, when do you want us to open? How do you want us to open? How can we do it safely? And you'll hear from us. But here's the reality. Here's two things I do know. We're praying that the Lord would speedily allow us to gather together again. And secondly, when we do that, um, and we're praying they would be sooner than later, <laughs> not, not a long time from now, but right now it's looking like it, the earliest it would be June. But we'll let you know as we find updates. We're praying God make it sooner. But when we do, we will be reducing seating capacity and our auditorium to allow us to physically distance ourselves. And what that's going to mean is immediately the first Sunday we gather together, we're going to have two different gathering times, 8.30 and 10, where we're going to be gathering. That's going to require more of our dream team to step up and say, God, I want to step up and I want to step out to serve in the house of Almighty God. But here's the thing I know. We are better together. And this morning, as we conclude our time, I just want to remind you that God has a purpose for your life. You have a vital role to play. And as a people, whether we are together or apart, we thrive when each one of us will step up to the plate and say, Lord, use my life to make a difference. I want to pray with you right where you are. Father, we just thank you for this day. God, we thank you that you have designed each one of us with purpose in mind. Lord, this morning, as we've come to your word, Lord, I pray for every man, woman, or child listening to the sound of my voice. God, remind them that you've made them with purpose. That even this season, they can feel purposeless, can feel lonely. Lord, I pray that you'd remind them that you're right there with them. And God, we believe that you are. Lord, help us to discover what you've made us to do. And Lord, now in this season of separation as we're apart, help us to make a difference right where you've planted us. And Lord, as the church is able to gather again together, we're able to serve in the house of God. God, I pray you'd help us to discover how we can come alive to the purpose that you've made us for. Secondly, God, we choose to devote ourselves to your call. Lord, I pray that this season wouldn't be a season of anxious toil, but Lord, maybe a season of resting in you and growing up in our most holy faith as we put our trust in you. 
And God, we do pray for breakthrough in our state, in our region, in our county, in our city. God, we pray for healing of our nation, healing of our land. And God, we pray that you'd speed along our availability to gather together face to face. But through it all, we put our trust in you, Jesus. We know that you are Lord and you are King. So God, we pray that you'd help us through this season that we live in. In your name we pray. Amen. Wherever you are this morning, perhaps you haven't put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ. I don't ever want to leave an opportunity, a gathering together of God's people, even though we're scattered, we're together. I don't ever want to leave it without giving you a chance. If you've never put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are in need of salvation. And Jesus is the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus made it clear that all we have to do is put our hope and trust in him, and we will be saved. So wherever you are this morning, if you've never put your hope and trust in Jesus, you've never said yes to God's free gift of grace through his Son, I wanna pray with you right where you are. You don't have to do anything weird or strange, but I'd love to pray with you. And you can pray this prayer right where you are. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross in my place for my sins. I ask you, Lord, to heal me of my brokenness. I ask you for the gift of eternal life. I thank you that you died, you were buried, and you rose from the grave, securing my salvation and my eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, wherever you are this morning, uh, if God did something or God spoke to you, we'd love to know about it. Share a comment down below. Let us know that you're watching what the Lord spoke to you. I do wanna encourage you, share those 10, uh, we're calling them 10 second testimonies with us. We're gonna put together a video, hopefully, depending on how many we get. We'd love to share that in our gathering next week of what God is doing all across our city, all across our state and nation. So wherever you are today, share with us what God is speaking to you, what he's doing with you in your life. We'd love to celebrate with you and rejoice together. Though we're apart, we're right here with you. So God bless you. Have a great week, and we will see you next week.